Uh, this is Danielle Corsetto from Girls with Slingshots, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Not Greek, just geek. Awesome. Well, from Battlestar Galactica to Smallville to CSI to Dexter, and then we even heard him on Star Wars Unleashed and the Cartoon Network's Star Wars The Clone Wars. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Sam Whitworth. Excuse me. So much better, yeah. Now I'm going to keep this here just in case. There we go. Well, first of all, again, thank you so much for joining us here at Comic-Con. Thank you. Um, enjoying the weather? Uh, it's really cold in here, man. Well, in the back it is, but yeah. outside. Well, yeah, they yeah. have to let me outside first. <laughs> and then, then I will enjoy the weather. Um, first question is, I want to start with your earlier career. I know that with uh, Battlestar Galactica as Lieutenant Crashdown. Mm-hmm. Was it always in your interest to be in film? Because I know that you had a little bit of influence in music, and I think that you were also in a band. Mm-hmm. So what persuades you to continue film? Or do you still do a little bit of Desperation. music? <laughs> um, yeah, I was, uh, I was, when I was a kid, I thought, oh, I'm going to be an actor. And then as I got a little bit older and got to high school, I, I actually became a little bit more um, uh, realistic about things. And I was like, no, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> um, and so I had my band, and I wanted to, uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play with my band, and no matter what happened, that was going to be that. And then uh, my parents were like, you should go to college. And I was like, have you seen my grades? <laughs> and they said, yes, but... But if you audition, you, you, you do school plays and stuff. If you audition for the drama division of certain colleges, they're a little bit lenient on grades. And I'm like, how lenient? And so one of the schools that I auditioned for actually didn't look at your grades at all, and that was Juilliard, and that was the school that accepted me. So for, yeah. So at that point, I was like, you know, but I, I never said I wanted to be an actor. Like, why would I go to Juilliard? This doesn't make any sense. And, you know, so I was like, I had long hair, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to Juilliard. Well, <laughs> the FBI's going to pay me to learn how to surf. Um, I was that guy. And then Juilliard says, that's not how you talk. I'm like, yeah, it is. They're like, no, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So then they started teaching me things about how to walk and talk and do actor things. And then by the time that I got kicked out, I was like, I may as well try to use this training that I've used for two years. So, Were you really kicked out? Well, I, no, no, no. I was asked to leave. Uh. <laughs> I said, okay. I'll give you guys a freebie. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> no, I mean, what it was is that it wasn't that I was a, a troublemaker. I actually got away with murder at that school, and the, the teachers all kind of loved me, believe it or not. Um, but, but what it was was that I wanted to do film and TV, and back then that was like a dirty word at Juilliard. It isn't these days. These days you can, you know, they've realized that actors, as much as anyone, like to eat, and so you can't just do theater, you know, like, there's just no way. So they, they realized that, like, we should probably 
allow for people to do film and television. And that was what I wanted to do. So, so when they were asking me, you know, when they were teaching me about voice and speech stuff, that was interesting. When they wanted to teach me how to dance, I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what's funny? The, some of the things that they taught, I'm more amenable to now than I was back then. They were like, hey, sing this show tune. And I'm like, I don't, what? I'm not singing that show tune. Let me sing Pearl Jam or something. Uh, but these days, you know, I mean, if, you know, if someone wanted me to sing like Blue Moon or something like that, that's like, oh, no, that's actually kind of cool. But I'm, I'm much older now. Well, you were a lead singer, correct, in your yeah, band? And, yeah. Well, what kind of music was? Oh, there are me spoken. That's not how I sing. <laughs> Pearl Jam concert at Phoenix Comic Con. Um, no, it's... it's uh, yeah, I, I, the music thing was always my first love. And so when I became an actor, music was what I did in the downtime while you're waiting for the phone to ring. And uh, so I got to produce and record and, you know, do an album and stuff and play gigs with my friends. And then, and then suddenly acting work picked up quite a bit. And I haven't been able to get back to finish my second album, which has been a real bummer. But it's a good problem to have because they, they actually pay you more to be working than not working. So. so in your portrayal as Neil Perry and Dexter, you said that um, it gave you much credibility. Pretty much it kind of pushed you and, and made you who you are in your current success. Um, why is that? Because before I played Neil Perry on Dexter, all that any casting director would ever see me for was some big dumb thug. That was it. That was it. That was, you know, hey, we got a role. It's, you know, well, can Sam come in, in audition? No, Sam's too big, dumb, and thuggish. He couldn't possibly. So, so with Dexter, they were like, hey, we want a small, squirrely computer nerd for this role. So I'm calling my agent and saying, look, I build computers. I know all about that. Like, come on. I, I'm a trained actor. Let me, let me prove that I can do stuff. And they, and they were anxious to to have me do that too. So, so I went and got a bunch of loose fitting clothing and bought glasses and walked in and kind of slumped and stuff. And everyone that I was auditioning against was quite a bit smaller than me. I mean, I'm making myself sound like I'm six, eight, right? I'm only, I'm only six, one, but, um, uh, so huge. So, um, so I went in and, uh, and, and gave this audition and, uh, Felt very insecure about it because I wasn't doing myself at all, and uh, and then and then asked to be seen again actually, and the casting director I didn't know this but they'd already decided to hire me and I'm coming in going I can do it better let me just do it one more time and they're like are you sure and I'm like yeah, so I did it again but then they they still hired me I didn't end up losing myself the job, but then they they hired me and they but they didn't tell me that the Neil Perry character was going to have such a sort of dramatic turn and he was going to be sort of like they wanted kind of like. A, Kevin Spacey from Seven vibe that, you know, because the whole thing was that, for, no spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Dexter season one, come on, catch up guys, um, but, but the whole thing was there was an ice truck killer, and they needed, they were, they were actually introducing the, the ice truck killer, played by another Juilliard guy, Christian Camargo, and they were introducing him elsewhere in the story, well, if you didn't have a red herring at that point, that really, th where you thought you knew who the ice truck killer was, Everyone was going to be sure, oh, it's Christian Camargo. 
why would they introduce another character if it wasn't the ice truck killer, right? And so my job on the show was to get everyone off his scent. It was to be so sort of disturbing and, and scary um, in a weird kind of way that, that people would be convinced that he was innocent. And then after, after we did that, after, after that job happened, after those three episodes aired, um, the great thing was casting directors would see me for anything at that point. You know, they, just anything. Like any kind of role they would see me for, which was nice. Good. Now, given that you had some acting career, you had your, your face in the camera, and then you've been branched into voice acting. Yeah. I'm a little bit uh, particular into Star Wars. I am a Star Wars fan. Yeah, right? Oh. How about that? <clears throat> You're hurting me here, Sam. You're hurting me. <laughs> um, was it something, obviously it's, it's, it's different being in front of a microphone and being, having your voice recorded and actually portraying something, but what helped you along the way to either do the voice in, in, in Unleashed and then from there on moving on to an actual TV series? Well, people, people maybe don't totally understand this, but Unleashed was an on-camera gig with some voiceover elements. Mm-hmm. So all those cutscenes, those were shot with, with motion cap- capture cameras, and the other actors were there with us. And so that was familiar territory. And I'm running around, you know, with like a microphone in my hand pretending it's a lightsaber. <laughs> Never convince me to betray my master. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, the director's like, this is ridiculous. Someone go downstairs and get this guy a lightsaber. We're at Lucasfilm, for God's sakes. We have these things here. We have tons of them. Go get him one. This is embarrassing. Um, but, but the voiceover elements... Um, came about two things. One, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't in those cutscenes. Those, you know, when you're when you're playing the game, the character is saying things, and that, you know. So I was in a voiceover booth, and I had to learn how to do that. I wasn't very good at it to begin with. You know, there are moments where I, you know, if I'm playing Force Unleashed, I'm like, whoa, I didn't really <laughs> think that through. But uh, it was that. It was it was the voiceover elements in that game, and then it was also. Um, convincing Hayden Blackman to hire me as the emperor for that. Mm. So, I mean, you know, because I was like, are, are you getting Ian McDermott to do it? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, then, then probably she'd get me to do it. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? I'm like, because I do it good, you know? And, uh, and then eventually, I remember my buddy David Collins, who was the lead sound designer, and he also played Proxy in The Force Unleashed, he, which he stole the role. They, they had some celebrity in mind that I won't tell you who it was, who would have done it, by the way. And, but just David did it really well, and he did it first. So when we were doing these read-throughs, David was uh, doing proxy really, really well until eventually they're like, oh, that's proxy. It's kind of like Anthony Daniels wasn't supposed to be the voice of C-3PO, but people were like Richard Dreyfuss are like, I can't do it better <laughs> than him. This is awesome. So anyway... David says to me, David Collins is saying, look, man, we're going to do a read-through of Force Unleashed. Don't do The Emperor because let's record it first, and I'll tweak it, and we'll make it sound like, more like Ian McDermott. I'm like, okay. So I didn't prepare it at all. So then we're about to go in through the read-through, and, and Hayden Blackman's like, hey, Sam. Hey, Hayden. Hey, so you think you can do The Emperor, huh? Hayden's like this big football player guy, right? He's the lead of the project. And that's why General Coda, by the way, is the football player of Jedi Masters, right? 
football coach. Go out there and get him. Tear that Star Destroyer out of the sky. That's Hayden Blackman right there. So, but Hayden's like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And I'm like, what? But, 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 and I'm looking at David like, I would have practiced. <laughs> I would have practiced this if you told me not to. You know, you told me not to. So then I just launched into the emperor, and uh, and then Hayden said, okay, well I guess maybe you'll do it. And that's it. Very nice. So that was uh, that was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then I, I ended up doing the emperor for other projects after that, and you know may yet do the emperor in the future. Who knows? So hmm. how do you do the emperor? <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> um, okay, there was a line, and I you have to really warm up, you know what I mean. But there was a line in, in Force Unleashed because the thing with the Emperor is that he's funny, and I don't know that people think about the Emperor as being funny, but he is. He's really, really funny. You know the oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operate. You know, yeah. just so. He's, he's got a great sense of humor when things are going his way, right? So there was this Force Unleashed passage that Hayden wrote. And by the way, Hayden Blackman's a great writer. And he, I was reading these Emperor lines, and I'm like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand how to write for the Emperor. The Emperor wouldn't say this, oh, wait a second, Ian McDermott is a much better actor than me. Okay, and then I look at the script. I'm like, no, this is, this is how the Emperor does it. I'm just not that good. So then, uh, but there was this one passage, He's got the rebels all in front of him, and he's, he's got them. He's got all the, all the guys he was trying to, to capture, and, and he's got them there. And he's about to tell—they've been plotting against him, so he's, he's going to tell them what's happening to him. And I think he says, uh, you've all been branded traitors to the Empire. You will be interrogated, tortured. You will give me the names of your friends and your allies, and then you will die. <laughs> And uh, when I got a laugh for that in one of the read-throughs, I knew that that was, that was right. Because the emperor is actually, he does have that sense of humor and that Very beautiful simple. smile. Correct. <laughs> one last question, and then we can go ahead and open it up to the audience. So if you guys want to start lining up on my left-hand side, you can. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with some episodes that might be coming out 2015 for Star Wars, Episode 7. Um, they're going to start filming some of those. Now, seeing that you have some background in acting and seeing that you have some background in voice acting, do you think perhaps you might want to throw in your hat and see if maybe either 7, 8, or 9 could be a possibility of... Just trying to figure out where JJ's kids go to school so I can kidnap them. <laughs> Um, no, it's, you know what it is, is it's like they're going to, they, they, as I understand it, haven't started the casting project process yet, and uh, I certainly would be interested in, in auditioning, for sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I, um, I would really like those movies to be good, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so I just, I just really hope that they cast a wide net and find the right people, you know? I don't, I don't know that everyone here, for example, as a Star Wars fan, you know, Star Wars has always been cast, uh, you know, like, who, who was Mark Hamill? Who was Harrison Ford? Who was Carrie Fisher? They weren't anyone, you know? <laughs> like, they just happened to have the right personalities. And they had big personalities. And I think, eight, I think that uh, J.J. Is, is smart enough to realize it needs to cast some big personalities for those films. Perfect. All right, we can go ahead and have the first question. 
Well, that's a great question. No, I, I think that... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yoto. I got it. Who are you? Someone who loves you. <laughs> it sounds like the bounty hunter over there. What's going on? <laughs> Hi, Sam. Hello. Thank you for coming to Comic Con, by the way. Thank you for coming. <laughs> I have a question um, about Sally and Aiden. Do you think there's going to be a possible love connection between them? That's the vibe I got from this past season. This is perfect. Okay, if someone were to ask me this after season two, I'd say, no, 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 no. And they'd say, but well, the British season did it. And I'm, no. It's not our thing. That's I, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't understand those two characters together. Um, after this season, I I don't know. That's it has now cast me into doubt. You know, I mean, I think both me and Megan Rath were kind of, you know, a little bit surprised by uh, some of the scenes that we were given to do, and and then also what would come out of these scenes because we, I think me and her had more fun on the set than we've ever had together. Um, because, you know, season two, I was largely away from the other cast members. So season three, I was with them all the time. And I think we were pretty aggressive when we, when we went into those scenes, and then some really unpredictable things started happening. So maybe? I don't know. I mean, you can't kill her. That's yeah. the good news. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Robin. Uh, thank you for coming here and joining us all in the extreme heat of Phoenix. Um, speaking of being human, the being human panel is also right now. Why uh, are you here and not there? No. What? On the conquest. Didn't they change it? I thought they. Someone said they changed it. Is that right? They changed it. Question okay. answered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, that would be... No, apparently you're right, though. They did schedule them together. You know, I guess that's weird, right? I'd want to go to that panel, right? What are they saying? Whitworth yeah. sucks. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Hi again. Hi. Um, okay, so I was wondering, you, per, you have learned so much about this role, correct? I've learned what now? What have you learned throughout this role? Because... Lines. When I watched the first <laughs> Lots of them. Too many of them. Like, when I watched the first episode and then I watched a previous episode, you have changed so much in your character and in your acting. I was just wondering, what is the best thing I can, that you've learned? The coolest thing about how we started that series was that we didn't do a pilot. That was the coolest thing about it. I've done some pilots, and, and the problem is that, you're, that everyone, the writers, the director, the producers, and the actors are all trying to show you something. They're all trying to be like, hey, check it out. This is why you should pick up our show and not, not another show, because I'm flashy. Check out my jazz hands, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a real problem, because you're not necessarily approaching the material as honestly as you could be. Now, with Being Human, there was no pilot. It was just, we're doing 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. It's like, great. So in the first episode, in the second episode, third episode, I felt no pressure to show anyone anything. I just felt like, no, 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 I, if I show any too much to begin with, what's to learn about this guy later? 
So if he was going to be funny, the only way he was going to be funny is that if he played a straight man to Josh and he was annoyed with him, and that would be funny, but that was it. <laughs> if he was going to be, uh, if he was going to smile, it was going to only be in the blood den when he was hopped up on heroin, you know? Um, those types of things. Those are choices that you can make when you don't do a pilot. Mm-hmm. You can say, no, I'm not going to show you anything. I'll take my time and I'll show you when it's right. So that was... You know, and, and so over the seasons, you get to add more and more to the character and, and in a weird way bring more of my sense of humor to Aiden because I figure if he's living with those two screwballs, he would, he'd start picking up on their humor a little bit. You know, there's something about Aiden that, that we've discovered that we try not to make too obvious, but it's that he's a total pop culture geek. Um, for example, um, uh, he, he, there was a comment in the second season where he was saying something about uh, he said something to Sally he said hey go down the hall there's a 90210 marathon I, and, and the, the line was I think Donna Martin is about to graduate and I, su- I suggested to the writers I'm like screw that let's go the full nine let's, go, let's have Aiden go Donna Martin graduates because that's weird right 260 year old vampire who, who's totally into that stuff but he doesn't want to tell anyone about it but he trusts Sally you know and I just want to say you are super gorgeous. <laughs> Hello. Um, so my first role with you is actually when you played Doomsday in Smallville, which I loved. <laughs> my question is, is how... How did you go from playing, you know, the good guy, you know, kind of hitting on Chloe, you know, kind of there, and then shifting to the bad guy? How did you go, like, how do you... Well, funny enough, Doomsday (laughs) is kind of um, an Aiden prototype, um, because it's the same casting director for both projects. And I guess, as I've I've been told, uh, they were, they'd gone through, like, as they, they, they've told me hundreds of guys. They'd auditioned hundreds of guys, and they weren't able to find Aiden. And then the casting director said, okay, so wait a second. Let me get this straight. We're looking, we've been looking for a guy who's a good guy but is a monster and doesn't want to be. I think I, already, I think I got the guy. <laughs> I think I know a guy who's already done this. Um, I mean, you know, yeah. If you, I think if you watch Smallville, you can see the beginnings of the Aiden character. I mean, he's not funny, like Aiden can be, but you know, it doesn't. There, we didn't have a lot of time for humor with all the people that were getting killed on that show. But, um, but yeah, that's definitely. It's it's funny that you liken those two characters together because that's sort of how it happened. They called me up saying, "Hey, we need you to do that again," and I said, "Well, can we do it different?" They're like, "Sure." I'm like, "Okay, you gotta, you gotta deal." <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. Hello. Um, my question is, is when they have you go um, vampire and the eyes go completely black or blood red or whatever it is, it's kind of hard to tell, um, do they actually give you contacts for that or is it all CGI? It's just something I did in the audition and they were really into it. <laughs> Can you do it for us now then? Well, it's very painful and I, for you um, because I end up slaughtering a bunch of people when I do it. Oh. Um, they went through three casting directors. No, it's uh, it's it's CGI, and then they and then 
when it doesn't need to be CGI, when you don't see the, tra- the changeover, it's just contacts. Um, in some cases, um, it's half CGI and half contacts, because at one point, for some reason, we couldn't get one of the lenses to fit right. And this is a, a scene in the third season where my character wakes up from a dream and uh, looks at a... I don't want to spoil... I know some of you haven't seen the third season yet, but there's a kid in the hospital, and I look at him, and he maybe looks at me. And uh, one of those is actually uh, CG. And you would never tell. I couldn't tell which one is CG. They're, we have really good CGI people. Thank you. Thanks. Hello. Uh, with the recent acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney and the what? cancellation of... <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and the cancellation of uh, Clone Wars and how far they uh, you know, recorded in advance, was there any other arcs that you did with Dark Maul, being that he survived the last season? No, that was it. That was all we had done. Um, I do know a lot about the backstory. I know a lot of things. (laughs) Um, And the thing is, I mean, you know, even if I were at liberty to tell you what some of those things are, there are forums now through which some of those stories could come through. I really shouldn't say much more than that. Um, But there's some really, really cool stuff about the backstory and, you know, how these characters figure with these characters and where Mother Talzin fits in with all that stuff. And, you know, and so, yeah, there, <laughs> it's, I wish I could say more, you but I, I think <laughs> Filoni would kill me. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, the, the good news is, is uh, you know, there, there are possibilities for some of those stories maybe to be picked up but really that is speculation on my part to be honest like I uh yeah that's right this is vodka (laughs) um (laughs) I'm just gonna I'm I'm thinking about the calling and to get from Lucasfilm lawyers no it's but but there was there were a lot of cool things that were planned for for sure um you know I'm just really happy that the fans have been so vocal because that means a lot to me and, and to the other actors and to the, to the crew who have killed themselves on that show. And, uh, and hell, I'm certainly happy about seven Emmy nominations. That's nice. pretty cool. Right? I mean, that's, that show deserves it, man. I mean, I don't know that we're ever going to see that level of uh, production value, you know, and special effects and all that stuff on, a, on an animated budget. We're never ever going to see that again, you know, unfortunately. That's, that's what happens when you have an eccentric billionaire at the helm. <laughs> you know? George Lucas really wanted to push the uh, envelope with a lot of things. And, uh, and he was there every week. I mean, those are all his stories. So, you know, you want... For those of you who, ha- who haven't watched The Clone Wars and want more sort of official Star Wars, I mean, that's all George. All right, thanks a lot. Hi, uh, my name's Alex. Hey. Um, um, thinking back to Force Unleashed and me being a big role player and stuff, what's it like knowing that you played a character that pulled a Star Destroyer out of the sky and crashed it? <laughs> right. Um, I get a lot of dates at these Comic-Con things. No problem. It's <laughs> <laughs> so no, no problem. Hey, baby. Star Destroyer, <laughs> Down. No, it, I remember that, that being a really provocative thing, you know, because, like, Force Unleashed was kind of conceived of as, like, a Jedi tall tale, right? So that the audience could decide what, what really happened and what maybe happened in a different way. But, 
you know, it was, uh, it was all about reimagining all these things and, and pushing them, you know, pushing everything to 11. So that was a lot of fun. For the record, you're the Goku of Star Wars now, so. I'm the what? You're the Goku of Star Wars now. It's over 9,000. You're over 9,000. Sure. <laughs> I'll take it. Hi. Um, my name's Shana, and I just, wanted, I just wanted to ask, um, as an actor, and seeing as you did go to Juilliard, do you have any advice for young actors, either for stage or for film and TV? Yeah, don't be in a hurry. That's, that's, no, I mean, really, I, I think every actor feels like they're in a hurry to a certain extent. And, uh, and you're always comparing yourself against friends who are maybe having um, luck or you know, more luck than, than you, know, you are at the moment. But these things happen in strange ways. I mean, there's no one act, I have a lot of actor friends, a lot of successful actor friends. And there is no one story that is similar to anyone else's story. It's always a very personal path and a very difficult one, but, but it's possible. And uh, so long as, uh, as you're concentrating on the right things, which is basically getting as good as you can. Like, you don't want to rush out there before you're ready and audition before you know what you're doing because then you're going you're gonna to have some doors closed permanently. Like, they remember three things. Casting agents remember three things. Make that two things. <laughs> like the three things. They'll maybe remember your name, and they will remember whether you were awesome or whether you were just terrible. And if you were just okay, they won't really remember you, which basically means you have another chance, right? But if, if you were awesome, you get another chance, and if you were terrible, they'll never see you again, and that's it. So you really want to make sure that you're prepared. You want to take classes. You want to really um, investigate all these things and feel confident before you start waiting out there. Don't be in a hurry because your friend got a part on something. That doesn't mean anything to your life, you know? Thank you. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, with every voice actor that looks like their character from Star Wars The Force Unleashed, would you be, how would you feel about doing an actual movie? How much money you got? <laughs> I mean, you know, I think we could do it for three thousand um, dollars. No, I would love to. It would it'd be fantastic. The the question is, what does Disney want to do, right? Um, and uh, I think they have some very definite plans at this point. Um, but you never know. I mean, you never know what part of that acquisition is going to uh, interest them. So. You know, you never say never when it comes to this stuff. I mean, Darth Maul came back, for God's sakes. What a weird move that was. I mean, you know, it's like I remember, you know, finding out about that and being like, <laughs> like it was Dave Filoni says, yeah, yeah, he survived. George says he survived. And I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, wonderful. And then I saw in the episode, Darth Maul survived. And they show him in the little crystal ball. And I'm just thinking... Oh, the poor sap who has to play that role. That's going to suck for him. And then, and then Dave calls me up, and it's me. I'm like, oh, great. So, <laughs> but really, it's, you know what it is? It, goes, it comes down to this. It's something that me and my buddies call the wrath of... No, it's the search for Spock rule. That if you do really cool things, no one cares that it's weird that you killed Spock and brought him back in the next movie, right? So with Darth Maul, it was like, oh, we better do some awesome things with this character. And so me and Dave worked very hard on that to try to create 
something really interesting. I mean, the first part was like it has to be a major cost because he got cut in half, right? So when you saw him, he had to be like physically different, but also he had to be just mentally gone, just out of his mind. There had to be a real mental cost to what had happened. So what was fun about that was we're like, oh, cool, you know what we're doing? We're, we're um, showing the audience for the first time, we're showing them the dark side of the force, like the real deal without someone strong enough to filter that. You know, with, without Darth Vader's mask being implacable and you not being able to read what's going on inside his head. This is what's going on inside Darth Vader's head or the Emperor's head is this madness. And we're now we're just going to show it to you. So that was fun. We got to do a lot of things in that show that, that really shed new light on a lot of iconic Star Wars elements. Thank you. What's up, Sam? Hey. Um, well, actually, first of all, I'm a big fan um, I love being human. I love Smallville. I loved all the work you've done. But uh, you're a big inspiration for me as well, as far as acting goes. You're known for going from calm to intense really quickly, whether it be this, uh, the last scene you are in Smallville or the first time we see Darth Maul in the Clone Wars. Do you do anything to prepare to get that intense so quickly? <laughs> well, um, there, are th- there are times where you have to do stuff to get your, to get your heart pumping. I remember... Um, Armand Asante, when I was working with him on an independent film. <laughs> when, when he would just, okay, I'm not going to actually say the word that he said. I'm going to say the word fudge, right? And no matter what scene you were doing, he would, he would start the scene. If it was an angry scene, he'd just walk around and be like, fudge! Oh, fudge! Oh, you fudge! You know? So he would do that, and I'd be terrified, right? <laughs> but then we would have a happy scene together, and he'd be like, <laughs> you fudge. <laughs> you fudge. Oh, you. You fudge. So that's not how I do it. No, honestly, Armand Asante is one of the most talented actors I have ever worked with. That guy, my God, he's good. He is such a good actor, and I learned... A lot by, uh, by working with him. A lot. Um, but, but I'll do something similar. I just won't, I won't swear as much, but, but I will swear sometimes. I mean, it depends. I mean, if you really need to work yourself up, yeah. you know. I mean, I'll, I'll, here's, here's a little piece of information. I was frustrated a little bit with how they were ending David's char- David? Davis's character in Smallville. So I think that's a little bit where that came from. That's good. Um, a little bit of the frustration and anger came through in the performance. Thank you. Hi, Sam. Hi. Thank you for coming to Phoenix. Um, what Hollywood actor would you like the pleasure of working with? Hmm. Or Hollywood actress? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> fudge. Oh, fudge. Um, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Who? What? Clint Eastwood. Now, um, oh, God, you know, I, I, see, I, in terms of the actors that, that I want to meet, they're all of the older generation, you know, the Daniel Craig's, the Harrison Ford's, and all those guys. Um, and I, I mean, even Armando Sante, I was like, wow, I get to not only meet, but I get to work with this guy. And, and I, or David Strathairn is someone that I had a chance to work with 
And I know, he's incredible. And uh, it's, it's funny, I, 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 take a lot, I have a lot of interest in, uh, in the older generation of actors because they know a hell of a lot more than we do. And so I'm always looking for shortcuts. So any older distinguished actors that I can, you know, hang out with, I, I definitely try to befriend. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not as mercenary as that. I'm not just trying to, you know, steal their knowledge like some sort of body snatcher or something. But, <laughs> but I, 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 what it is is that I appreciate what they've done, and I appreciate how difficult it is and how easy they make it look. Jeff Bridges, for example. There's an actor who... That's a guy who has always made it look so easy, you know? But think about all the actors out there, and, and most actors will stumble. Most actors will have a performance that isn't quite up to snuff. I can't think of a one for Jeff Bridges. That guy has been authentic all the way through his very long career. Thank you. Hey, Sam. Hey. It seems to me that a lot of Aiden's motivation seems to be him trying to make up for past wrongdoings. And the more he seems to try to help, the more he seems to screw stuff up. <laughs> what, what, are, what do you feel about that? You're right. <laughs> I, I got that. No, it's true. I mean, we had a meeting with the writers recently, and, and uh, I was bringing up the fact, I'm like, guys, we, we really do in some way need to uh, need to address why this guy hasn't offed himself you know we, we brought it up in season one remember that that reverend guy and he's like hey you keep saying about how tortured you are if you want to end it hey I'll end it right now and he takes that steak and then Aiden goes okay I'm going to beat your teeth in now buddy <laughs> um, which is by the way a little side note being human when we were shooting the first season I mean I, there's an alternate version of that series, especially in the first season, that you could cut together. A very fight club, um, <laughs> very hard-to-watch version of the show, because we, we were shooting, like that scene in, in specific, where the reverend, uh, that, that reverend vampire who's pulling all kinds of problems in the hospital, I mean, we shot graphically me beating his teeth in. Many stages. Uh, it was awful to look at when we were doing it. So, you know, I often think, like, wouldn't it be fun to go back and recut some of those episodes and put some of that material back in or do some of the things that we talked about but weren't allowed to do? Um, but then we just lose all our fans and horrify you all. Oh, <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, in terms of Aiden's, Aiden being dangerous, yeah, we addressed it this year in a writer meeting where we were saying, yeah, every, every year this guy's alive, he knows at least 3 to 20 people are going to die. So we should probably address it. And I, I had some thoughts about how we could address it, and so do they. So we'll see. We'll see what comes out. Stop helping. Stop helping. Yeah. That's right. Hi, Sam. Hi. Uh, my name's Chase. Hi, Chase. And um, I've been a big fan. I loved Starkiller and loved it. Um, I've always loved watching you go back and forth between the characters and and how you change, like the, the, the killer with Dexter, you know, and, and then Star Killer and Doomsday. And have you ever had a role that you, that you wanted to, to take on, you know, that, that encompassed something that you wanted to do as an actor? Um, that you haven't gotten a chance that to do? That I haven't gotten a chance to yeah. do. Um, yeah, I, I imagine there, there are a bunch of those. I mean, I mean, 
weirdly, I've had more opportunity than people have seen because not everything that you do necessarily makes it, you know? I've done some independent films where... And I did one where I was more like the Sam Huntington character, which was fun, you know, a little bit more off kilter and totally out of my mind. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would love to do that and have it seen. <laughs> um, there are a lot of, yeah, I mean, the, the thing with an actor is like, you know, you're always drawing from some side of your personality. And yeah, there are some sides of my personality that I'd like to draw from a little bit more. I mean, with Aiden, for example, um, in season three, we, we made him goofier than we've ever seen him, especially around the cat character. But we had to be very careful not to go too far into Sam Huntington territory because that's his turf. And furthermore, we don't want to destroy the mystique of the Aiden character. So we could only have him get, you know, we could have him get goofy here and there. You know, don't give him garlic. That's bad. But, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah, there, there are a lot of things that I'd like to do. Thank you very much for sharing your time with us. Thank you. Hi, Ms. Whitmer. My name is Danny. Hey, Danny. Uh, my question is, after um, Force Unleashed ended and the sequel was being announced, were you first approached about coming back, or were they going to do a different storyline? And when you came back, how, how was the process different from the first time? <laughs> well, it's funny because I could probably answer more of this question now after the Disney acquisition than I could even of several months ago. Because, uh, you know, there, there, were, there were forces at that company that weren't prepared to have Force Unleashed be the hit that it was, frankly. Um, and, uh, and didn't necessarily have the resolve that they should have. Um, and I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If a, if, a, if a project comes out and in its opening months, it sells 7 million copies and has since sold many, many millions more. I mean, that is a mega hit by any game company standards. And any game company that wasn't necessarily hindered by certain uh, corporate elements um, would double down on the sequel. And, uh, and they didn't. They, uh, they gave us very, very little time to do that one. And, uh, and, you know, you're getting a real honest answer here. And I think, I, again, I think I'm at liberty to say this because those elements of the company are, are long gone. They were gone before the Disney acquisition. And this, wasn't, this isn't George Lucas I'm talking about. Like, he was always very supportive and stuff. But there were, you know, there were people who were undermining his vision, unfortunately. And, uh, and thankfully, he took care of that. So, you know, that's, that's the good news there. Thank you for coming to Comic-Con. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> TK421, why aren't you at your post? Oh. Why did you have to kill so many stormtroopers? Do you feel any remorse? It's nothing against your demographic. Um, it's simply that a man has a job to do, and, uh, you know, it's... Uh, look, I'll tell you what. The, the frown on your helmet isn't helping matters, pal. Maybe paint a little smile, and you'll get a little bit more, you know, sympathy. Talk to the emperor about that, you know. You guys are a public relations nightmare. Seriously. 
You guys need to talk to your emperor and get, you know, friendlier outfits. I thought you were the emperor as well, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> your insolence will be your undoing. <laughs> Hey, Sam, what's up? So this is happening. Yes. Were you expecting us? What's up? Were you expecting us? Uh, well, not entirely. Because uh, nobody be expects the Spanish Inquisition. Ah, well. All right. Um, all seriousness, thanks for coming. You're, uh, you're freaking awesome. I want to talk about your acting process with Sam Huntington. Like, he seems like a guy that's, like, really... Uh, what's the word? He Nightmare. Makes it up on, yeah. He makes it up on the spot, it seems like. Does he do that at all? And if so, how do you, like, work off of him? Because whenever you hit the scenes with your guys together, it looks like you're having so much fun. Yeah, we all do. We're all coming up with weird stuff to say to each other. And, uh, and Sam Huntington and Megan Rath and Kristen Hager are three of the most professional and talented and sharp actors you will ever meet. And, and not to mention, very, very nice, funny people. I mean, they're the reason that I go to work. I mean, they're the reason I show up. They're fantastic. Nice. Oh, and um, just one thing, like, if you could say it. All right, my favorite line isn't the Emperor line from The Force Unleashed. It's actually when you wake up after Vader tosses you out the window and you just say, you killed me, all angry. Do you think you could say that? Well, what did he say? What he goes, did he... you killed me, or something like that, but the way you say it. Oh, you want me to scream into a microphone? Please. <laughs> Come on, that line's so funny. <laughs> You killed me. Oh. What? Uh, the, you killed me! That, that type go. of stuff? There yeah. you go. Thanks. Thank you. Have you ever been uh, typecast for a specific role that has been a complete 180 from the regular roles that you normally do? Um, I've been typecast for roles that I've done a lot of, for sure. Um, but, but, you know, no, not... not not for, I've never, no one's ever pulled me in for a role that I was like, oh, I have no idea how to do this. I mean, secretly, secretly I'll, I'll take roles and go, I don't know how to do this. Being human, I didn't know how to do that. Being human's tricky, right? Because um, the, we couldn't rely on the British tone because they wanted to do something different for, for our version. Our version, like the British tone has comedically an advantage because when they wanted to get comedic, they got broad, a little bit bigger. And that's certainly one way you can do it. With our version, they wanted to play it very straight. So, so you know, it's like if you ask me, hey, Sam, I want you to be funny in my show, and you can be as big as you want to be and just be ridiculous. Like, I can do that, sure. Or someone can say, hey, Sam, we want you to be really serious, and we want you to be really dramatic. And be like, okay, I can do that. But I've never been asked until being human, hey, Sam, we want you to arrive. We want you to be dead serious. And somehow make it funny. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You know, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, Huntington had the ability to be a little bit of a broader character at first and, and be a little bit more awkward, but they wanted my character to be funny as well. And I, I, I reasoned the best way to, to start doing that was just to play straight man to Huntington and be just irritated with him. 
<laughs> because that's how I was when I met him. <laughs> when he sits down next to me in the audition, and he's like, hey, everybody! I'm Sam Huntington! And you're like, oh, Jesus. Who the fuck is this guy? And, uh, and then he, and he, the first thing he does, he goes, hey, hey! Oh, hey, you're Sam? I'm Sam! Hey, are you going gray? And I'm like... No, 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 take a closer look. He's like, oh, no, you're not. Yeah, but thanks for doing that here, pal. And, and I glanced over at the producers, and, and they, were, they were just, like, like, watching this, like, really intently. And I was just like, God, this guy, this guy. And that was exactly the, what they needed for the show, is for him to be like, hey, hey. And I'm like, okay, all right, calm down. And then Megan Rath, you know, is another layer on top of that. Because once me and Huntington had auditioned together several times, and then Megan Rath comes in, she's like, I'm just so excited to meet you guys. And we're like, oh. (laughs) So what's funny is what you see in those episodes is what happened to us in our our audition process. But but one of the tricks that we had to do is they, they didn't allow us to have the banter chemistry at first. Because we would be doing scenes, and they're like, guys, it's too... The chemistry's too much, the banter is too much. And we said, well, yeah, but we, we saw the first episode of the British series. That's what they're doing. And they're like, yeah, but in the, in the British series, you don't really know how long they've been in that house. In this series, we know exactly how long you've been in here. You've been a day. You guys don't know each other. So you have to get to know each other. By episode six or seven, we'll let you banter, but, like, not now. It has to be a little bit stilted. So. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. All right, um, first time doing this. Okay, uh, what type, uh, what do you prefer, like normal acting or voice acting? Both. Both are tough. Both are very difficult. (laughs) Both I, you know, only have a limited grasp of, really. I mean, you you know, there are some people that have said for voice actors, it's like, yeah, you just show up and make a funny voice. And it's like, yeah, that's all you want it to be. Sure, (laughs) fine. If you want to suck, cool. Um, no, but some people are really good at that. Some people actually can make that work. In, in my case, um, I, if you're going to make someone care about it, if you're going to bring some depth to the character, you do have to put as much work into it as you do any on-camera gig. Um, the only difference is that you can look like a total soul doing it, and no one cares. It's fine. You can just be an idiot okay. visually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Nice. All right, um, can I take this off? There we go. Too tall for this thing. Uh, but Sam, uh, I know you've talked a lot about Clone Wars already. Um, an awesome show, by the way. I loved it. And congrats on the uh, Emmy nomination. Thank because, you. Because uh, Darth Maul, I thought you did an awesome job with that. But uh, I wanted to ask you specifically about the Star Wars Rebels show that's just been announced. And, um, you know, like I said, you kind of already mentioned this, but, you know, what are the possibilities that we could maybe see, uh, you know, since the show takes place in between episodes three and four, that we could see you... Uh, come back as the Emperor again, and or have Starkiller in some episodes, and or get some conclusion to the uh, Darth Maul storyline. All in one breath. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, look, I mean, I think anything's possible. Um... <laughs> I don't, uh, I, you know. I, well, well, then would you want to come back and do that? Is that no. Something you'd love to do? <laughs> yeah, sure. 
I'll do it. I mean, no, it's it's look any any opportunity to uh, to help out Dave with any anything that he needs. I'm I'm happy to do it. I mean, Dave Filoni is really the real deal. I, there there is not a better person for uh, for his position at that company. I mean, he you know he carried the the torch. You know, it's how long since the last movie came out? In, was it six or five? Oh five. Oh five. It's a while since the last movie, and yet Star Wars is like stronger than ever. Why is that? You know. I think, I think the Clone Wars is the reason that Disney had to shell out four billion as opposed to maybe two. You know, I mean, it kept the fan base uh, alive and and really uh, fed them. You know, and and so did Force Unleashed. You know, at the time that it was out. So, uh, but but Filoni is is absolutely the the real deal. And uh, when he gets like a a shot at a feature or something, I want to be there. So, in order to do that, I got to kiss his ass right now. <laughs> you listening, Dave? <laughs> and and no, I would do anything that he asked. You know, if he wanted me to come and do whatever, I would do it. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Hey Sam, my name's Josh. I'm a huge fan of Star Wars: Force Unleashed. Uh, my favorite. So you're style. Batman. Yeah, it took half of the costume off. Josh. It's hot as hell in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought it was this other guy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, huge fan, by the way. Lost. I'm a huge fan of yours. <laughs> the whole thing, the nuclear bomb over Gotham, that was great work. Yeah. Good job. Fix that autopilot. Yeah, autopilot. Um, yeah, but yeah, Starkiller is my, like my favorite Star, Star Wars character of all time. Just wondering if you have any idea, have you been approached about doing a uh, third Force Unleashed? Any idea if that's maybe going to happen? There's, there's been whispers around the company over the years, but, but it's really all up to Disney and, and what their priorities are. And right now, I think their priority is making sure that Episode 7 is as good as it possibly can be. And I think that is a worthy priority. I think that, that there's always an opportunity to go back, but I think the first thing that needs to be taken care of is that Star Wars Episode 7. And I think that all roads need to lead to that right now. After that, and after that's a success, then I think you can do whatever you want, including Force Unleashed 3. I certainly hope to see one. Yeah, thank you, sir. What's up, Starkiller? What up, man? I had a question. If Warner Brothers came to you um, to take on the role of Dark Knight in the next Batman reboot in Justice League, would you do it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know what I would you know how they they're really anxious about this whole uh Justice League movie? Right. You know, and maybe to the point of impatience, like you guys need to earn it, you right. know, like they did with Marvel. Definitely. Uh one way they could earn it is uh hire Michael Keaton to play like the Dark Knight Returns version of that character. Okay. Right. You know, it, so long as Man of Steel works, yeah. bring Michael Keaton in as an older, he hasn't been Batman for years, and, and have him come back. Okay. Yeah, you know, or have something like that happen with, okay. where right. there's at least an established, successful film continuity. Right. You know? And then if he won't do it, I'll do it. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I 
wanted to answer somebody's question earlier about the Being Human panel. It's at 6 p.m. 6 p.m., guys. Yeah. 6 okay. p.m. Thank you. You're welcome, guys. Hi. Wow, thank you. Hey. I, I have a, a question that's been bothering for a long time. First, you know when you bit candy got really old? Mm-hmm. Is that because of the werewolf flood? Is it because of what? Werewolf flood. Oh, you know, yes. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I knew yeah. it. It's, um, you know, Kenny's, I don't know that Kenny's story is over just yet. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Connor Price again because he's just an amazing actor, really fun to have on the set. So am I. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I feel a lot better now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a conundrum for sure. The thing that I'm worried about is, like, vampires can't reproduce. They're probably in some trouble right now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. Bye. Thanks. We have time for two more questions. Hey, Sam. Yo. Hey, Sam, looking good. Thanks, man. It's just for you. <laughs> so, well, I don't really have too, you know, too serious a question, but what happened in Smallville? Wasn't there talk about you being Zod? I remember we saw that back picture of you, I believe it was you, with the tattoo. What happened? Hmm? What? Yeah, yeah um, exactly. The, yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> no, um, basically, there was uh, some talk that, that I would do that. Uh, I felt like that was painting themselves into a corner, because Davis Bloom at this point is a notorious serial killer around the city, and his, his likeness has been everywhere. So how, how, how does this guy show up, and how does he walk one step in the city without people going, hey, that's Davis Bloom, let's take him in, you know, and other issues like that, um, yeah, you know, so I, I raised those concerns. Gotcha. Yeah. They, they, they still came up with the idea, I believe, right? What's that? They still came up with the idea, though. Yes, they did. They did. Well, well you know, it was just, it was, it was simply, it, you know, they, they, they had some ideas, and, and we had some, con- me and my people had some concerns about them, and, and we, we voiced them, basically. Um, so yeah, yeah, but it was, it was nice of them to think that, certainly. They just love you, man, I guess that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have a good day, enjoy Comic-Con. Yeah. We can finish off these, these people, right? Can finish Um, them off? Yeah, we can talk fast? Of course. Great. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Seeming that Being Human is also a BBC show. It's what? Do you guys what? ever, like, feel the need to, like, outdo them or, like, a little competition or anything? No, not really. Yeah. No, because, because why, would, why would we, you know, our, our intention was to be a complementary piece to that, to be three different characters who are dealing with similar issues elsewhere. And for that reason, we didn't watch the BBC series when we were shooting season one. Now, after season one, I bought everyone the Blu-ray box sets. After season one, we... You're we drinking too I, much vodka. What's that? Yeah, I'm drunk. I'm totally drunk. I have no idea where I am, guys. Who are you people? Um, but uh, I got everyone the Blu-ray box sets, and we've, we've been fans ever since. I, I love their series. And it's, it's, our writers are in the same boat. While they do this series, they can't really watch that series. And then, funny enough, I got a 
nice email from Toby Whithouse, who is now catching up on our series because he's done with his. And, uh, and he said some very, very nice things. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all part of the same family. You know, we, uh, when we were getting on our feet, Toby and Rob Percy were very helpful in creating our show, helping create our show. So this isn't like a mixed-spaced situation. You know what I mean? Like this isn't like Mick G when he tried to do spaced. Do you guys know about this? Yeah, Mick G tried to do spaced, and uh, you know, and and they were saying things like, "Hey, from the makers of Shaun of the Dead," and Simon Pegg's like reading this on the internet, going like, "From what? Wait, we what? We have nothing to do with this." So, um, you know, there's a there's a funny. Okay, I'm going to tell a story about this. Uh, Simon told me this, that, that when this all went down and Mick G was remaking Spaced, and he said, from the makers of Shaun of the Dead, and Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright were like, no, no, no way, that's not us. No one talked to us, no one asked us nothing. So Mick G did, was doing some damage control, and he actually called up people and said, listen, I'm sorry it went down like that, we should have called you at first. And he was talking to Edgar Wright, and he's like, look, man, I totally get how you feel about this Spaced thing. I mean, I, putting myself in your shoes... I would feel the same way if someone were to remake Charlie's Angels. And Edgar Wright's like, my God, he outstupided me. There's no, there's no response. You can't respond to that. Uh, well, you, you got it. You got me. Checkmate, you know, so, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. I'll answer fast. Yes. Hey, Sam. Hey. What was it like working on Dexter? Awesome. Um, really fun. It was a good time because I get to, you know, play something com- completely different from myself. And um, Michael C. Hall uh, was cool. And uh, everyone on the set was very nice. But it, was, it was exciting because no one knew what that, was, what that show was at the time. It hadn't aired yet. So I was like, Dexter. It's like a sequel to Webster. This is cool. <laughs> so, but it was, it was really fun, especially to see the final product. It was like, oh, this is a really good show. Cool. I got lucky. Thanks. So, thank you. Hey, sir. Hey. Uh, just, just one question. Is um, Jedi or Sith? Just Sith. <clears throat> <laughs> what? Um, hey, man, they're both... They, they both have lightsabers. The Sith dress cooler, but the Jedi sleep better at night. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Guys, thank you. Thank you very much. Again, he does have some autograph and photo opportunities, so make sure to check your schedule. He has a photo booth downstairs. Again, everyone, Sam Whitworth. Hi, this is Joel Watson from HijinksAndSue.com. You're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Godspeed, you fancy bastards. <laughs>